Welcome back to the Fretboard Confessional again. <laughs> I'm your host, Chris McKee, along with co-host. My name is Cooper Greenberg. <laughs> we're here with Alamo Music. Uh, we're recording this again because we got eight minutes into it and then realized we weren't recording it. So uh, just to catch you up on the great conversation Cooper and I have been having, uh, <laughs> we, had a, we had a great and busy uh, holiday season. We haven't done podcasts for a long time because of that. Cooper got married. I did. He was irresponsible on his honeymoon and looked at guitars while he was there and yeah. texted me about it. We were talking about that. I thought, it was a good conversation yeah. you missed out on. I, to be fair, I like Zach Marr, our boss mm -hmm. and owner of Alamo Music. He told me right when I left for my honeymoon, he was like, when it comes down to it, this is really going to be the only time that you have on like a trip that I don't want you to think about work. I don't want you, you know, any of this stuff. Because the next time you take off a while, it's probably going to because, be because you have a kid or what, whatever. So just take this for you two. Can we just put a context that's acts yeah. like you get to take a vacation where you're unplugged when you get married and when you have a kid. Yeah. And the rest of the time, I better be able but, to reach yeah. you. So the, that's the, the funny part is because, one, I was like, well, you know, I might just send a text. Just, every, you know. You kept saying was, that. You were like, hey, you know, if y'all need anything. I was like, shut up. Yeah. And go on your honeymoon. But I will say that, like, no, nobody, Chris, I mean, I was the one that yeah. hit you up, you know, because yeah. I wanted to show you something. I hit Pat and Zach of, like, look how cool this is. I went to a piano shop in Munich, and it was great. But I did have a few of the guys here be like, hey, do you know where that 8022 oh is? <laughs> They're like, hey, we received this when you were still here in the country. Do you know where it is? I'm like. Yeah, just check the warehouse, you know. <laughs> um, but I did get married. I've talked about that a little bit on the channel. It was a fantastic time. Music was played. I do think that you should recant the story that you told me a minute ago about you playing at your son's wedding, though. Yeah, so I was saying the, Cooper had asked, you know, highlights. I've had a lot of low lights. We've had a difficult year. Some of y'all know listening, my wife's been going through cancer treatment, and we're almost done. In fact, uh, I think we've got... About three more weeks. Well, really, with recovery time, it's like six more weeks. Yeah. Uh, which I'm looking forward to. But she had a break during the holidays. And in October, my eldest son got married. And we were able to enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas before she started back up again on the 30th, which was real. So it was real nice to have that break. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my son's wedding, I played a song I wrote for him when she was pregnant with him uh, on my GS Mini. Just plugged in and, and played while she and, uh, well, so when my son Christian danced with his mom, you know, and it was a real special thing uh, for them to dance and for me to play. And there were a lot of people that were like, okay, I was fine until that moment. And and I should say the people that were saying that were people that watched him yeah. grow up. You know? Yeah. So the context I think of that was, was super powerful. And, you know, to me, I, as a musician, it speaks to the power of music and how for my life, it's constantly framing moments of my life like moments of my life are framed in music it's almost like your life has a soundtrack yeah. you know i will say so you and i are in the marketing department mm. if i worked in the marketing department for taylor <laughs> and i had a commercial for the super bowl this year it would be you sitting next to candy you know getting ready and you say i don't think i'm ready for this you know for christian be born yeah and you play the song and then Christian getting ready to walk down the aisle and looking at you saying, I don't think I'm ready for this. And then you pull out the GS Mini oh, and it's man. like Taylor GS Mini. 
always ready when you're not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll tell you what's funny about that. That's a great idea uh, if Taylor's listening. So the song I wrote was on a Taylor. Yeah. It was on my 914C. Um, and I'm going to tell you a funny story about writing that song. So we had this nursery in this house. And uh, it was all ready, and she was in, you know, one of those kind of glider rocking chairs. And uh, she's sitting there, very pregnant. Yeah. And I'm sitting on the floor, leaning up against the wall with this Taylor 914C. Yeah. And and little tip to anyone who doesn't have kids yet, you buy the expensive <laughs> guitar <laughs> before you have children, because it's a long time after before you get to buy another expensive guitar. Yeah. Um. But I, I'm sitting there and I'm playing and I start to basically write this song while she's rocking and we're thinking about our you know, yeah soon to soon to be baby boy. <laughs> so it's a beautiful story so far, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I write this whole song. She's really enjoying it. I'm I'm yeah, you know, it's in the moment. At some point while I'm playing this song, <laughs> I felt something rub across my back. <laughs> while I'm sitting on the ground and I reached back and I kind of scratched on my lower back under my shirt and there was nothing there. So I just kept playing this song right? <laughs> and about five minutes later she lets out a gasp and the biggest scorpion oh you've ever seen God. in your life comes crawling out from behind me. Uh, and that's what I had felt. <laughs> oh my I was playing. So we used to live out in the country. Yeah, I got stung by scorpions more times than not. I, I can't recount all of the times. There was one moment where I screamed like a girl yeah. uh, when one encountered okay. me in the bathroom by surprise. But that was a really interesting moment. It was, and, and after that, she's like, this is the nursery and there's a scorpion. Yeah. You know, yeah, that put her at ease. And that's how Christian got his middle <laughs> that, name. That's, that's Scorpion. That's, no. <laughs> Christian Scorpion McKee. So, yeah. so I Scorpion's my middle name. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I wrote that song on a tailor and then I played it at his wedding on a different tailor. So <laughs> there you go. So that's, I mean, that's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's like, cool. it, I'm sure in the moment, it's it's just like such a surreal thing, you know? Yeah. Because what is it, 20 years later? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. 20 years later. It's it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's also crazy to think like how much time's passed in certain things. Certain, some things seem like yesterday and some things seem like a lifetime ago. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about this in context of like owning that guitar, uh, meeting Maurice, you know, shopping here, now working here, like there's it it's kind of this blur of like forever ago and yesterday. Yeah. You know, it was pretty cuz I do remember like specific I remember the specific moment I met Maurice. We've talked about Maurice before. Yeah. Maurice is, was a long-time sales guy here. He he's kind of semi-retired. He's here, you know, yeah. at at one of our locations occasionally. Uh he's the reason we carry Taylor guitars. Yeah. He's the re- he's the reason um I work here and and you were here. Yeah, that's the reason I worked here. You know, um, and I remember the moment I met him. I was working at a different music store that didn't carry Taylor. I was curious about these guitars, and I yeah. went over to our store at Babcock and 410 in San Antonio, and I walked in, and I walked down in that room, and he was at his desk, and we hit it off. We've been friends for over 20 years. That's crazy. I So my Fender that I put together with Maurice, I got it for my... For myself, you know, for my 10 years of playing guitar. Yeah. And now it's 10 years old. It's, it's wild to think about that, too. Like, it's about time that you and I make me a tailor. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what I need I need my 20-year present. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so I just wanted to tell you this story because I haven't told you this, but you talked about your scorpion thing and, mm-hmm. you know, and I just think it's a funny story and I'll keep it brief. But um, not too long ago, my mom and my dad, they kind of live out in the hill country. Mm-hmm. And my mom is not good with bug crawling things, yeah. right? She's fine with like a spider here and there, a scorpion, whatever. She'll smash it. She'll throw it up. But a mouse or a rat. She has not had to encounter many. She's never been to our Babcock location, so she's not had to. <laughs> um, but she she hates them, and she doesn't want to see them. She freaks out. It's it's game over, right? So she came back from the grocery store. She came back from HEB and um, went into their house, went to the kitchen, dropped off the groceries, and she dropped something on the floor. She looked under their stove, and she saw a rat's tail sticking out from under the stove. And ran out of the house and called my dad and hung out in the front yard until my dad came home. And she said, uh, my dad was downtown and it's about, you know, 40 minute drive, yeah. 45 minute drive. Um, and she said, I need you to come home. She, if she listens to it, she's going to freaking kill me if I tell it. <laughs> but it's just so good. Um, <laughs> so she calls my dad, you need to come home. There's a rat in the house. And my dad comes home and he goes inside and uh, she won't go in the house. Right. And the dogs are all outside with her. She's she doesn't want any living thing that lives in their house to come in contact with this potentially diseased rodent, right? And so my dad goes in the house and he looks under the stove and there's a, the rat tail right there and he's thinking like it's a dead rat, you know. And then he reaches down and he walks outside and he's like, "What'd you get at H E B?" And she's like, "I just got dinner for tonight, you know." And he's like, "Well, we haven't." She's like, "Well, we're, I'm gonna roast some beets." She. Had, the thing that fell on the ground was a beat and it rolled under and the like end the it. end of the beat was sticking out and she glanced. She had dropped the beat, literally. Dropped and um and she glanced at it, thought it was a rat tail, and stayed outside of the house for forty five minutes till my dad came home to pull the beat out from under the That's stuff. hilarious. Yeah. Um so that's just a good time. My mom's going to be really unhappy with me that I just now, told that. Now, but, check this out. Yeah. Here's, here's some masterful podcast. okay? <clears throat> yeah. We're going to take your mom's beat rat story yeah. and our history as a music store, and we're going to intersect them right now because you brought up Babcock. Yeah. So here are some things for all of you people out there that if you didn't know, I'm going to tell you right now, you learn in music retail. Yeah. Rats love the glue that is on Fender amps, Oof. Taylor guitar cases, and JBL speakers. Wow. And you're saying, how do you know something so specific, Chris? Let me tell you. So our Babcock location used to be next. It's now next to a Starbucks, which is very convenient for us who are yeah. caffeine addicted. Yeah. But it used to be next to a German restaurant, which is what where. What was that place called? I, old German restaurant, I think. Is <laughs> it was. And, uh, <laughs> and it, so there's a Starbucks there now. Yeah. Uh, but there, there was a German restaurant there. When they tore that German restaurant down, it was evidently infested with rats. It was the rat king. That flooded yeah. our store oh right next door. Oh, my God. Um, and part of the store is on Pier and Beam Foundation, and, and so it was really, it was like, it was a battle trying yeah. to, to deal with this. There was no making of our own. Yeah, It's like, oh, here they all come. What are we going to do? And we learned really quickly that what they liked is they liked the glue yeah. that held the vinyl Tolex on Fender cases or, <laughs> or Taylor cases, Fender amps, and JBL speakers. They were gnawing on it. We had to send so many. Well, some things we sent to get fixed or we replaced cases. 
we were also selling stuff like as is and it's simply explain like this is a brand new deluxe that you get for next to nothing because you can see it has no, like no pillex on it i remember i wish i could remember <laughs> the guy's name this guy took lessons there and he bought one of those amps brand new fender deluxe and went and had it retolex and brought it back and he was like he was he was trying to gloat. He's like, "See, y'all gave me a good deal. This didn't cost me nothing." <laughs> He's in a rap cover band. We have since uh, <laughs> we've taken care of that issue, but that yeah. that was an inter- that was right when I started too. Yeah, uh, that was an interesting experience in what uh, what rats do and don't like. We we got in a while back. We showed it on the channel that Kenny Loggins mm-hmm. that was perfect. Yeah, but the case yep. was in somebody's attic, and it had been from that german restaurant you know <laughs> yeah they like they like the glue but they only like certain glue is it hide glue no i, I don't <laughs> know fish protein what's weird about it is other cases <laughs> and other speakers and other amps they left completely alone we even had i remember we had uh we had like a tuck and roll kind of uh upholstered amp yeah um that was back there left that alone marshalls were fine but jbl speaker cones had the same glue and they they destroyed speakers. It was horrible. Man, I remember there was a Marshall Hayes amp. Uh-huh. Do you remember those? Yeah. They don't make those still, right? They don't. And I, so I'm going to tell you an interesting story about that. We had a bunch of those. They introduced them. You know, it was a Jimi Hendrix, like, commemorative yeah. thing. And, uh, and they didn't sell. So when I started, the store had had a bunch in stock for a while. They were already, like, new old stock mm-hmm. and discontinued. I did, if you go back and look on our old YouTube channel, when the T5Z first came out, I did a review video with it, and we got all these comments of like, man, the it, that tone is insane. Yeah. Like the electric guitar tone. What pedal did you use? And it was just- Just the drive that, channel on the- It was just the, the drive channel on that amp. It sounded really, really good. Yeah, those were cool. So I, I had gotten a couple of guitars, you know, from- from Maurice over there and I really wanted American standard strat mm-hmm. that, you know, later on you helped make yeah. that happen. But I went in for an American standard strat and, uh, Maurice was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, telly. And I was like, but I said strat. And he's like, Nope. <laughs> so, like, okay. But I got, uh, my American standard strat and then I needed a amp and I really wanted a Marshall Hayes. And he did the same thing to me. He was like, Nope. Uh, Hot Rod Deluxe. Yeah, I'm really glad that I got the Hot Rod yeah. Deluxe because it's, I still play it all the time. But I think about what could have been. You know, yeah, I could have been rocking and rolling. Could have been doing some Purple Haze or yeah, Foxy Lady. Which, coincidentally, was uh, what Maurice played every single time. He <laughs> did the that kind of opening yeah. like, yeah. yeah. You know, so you bring up, it's interesting as we talk about these, the, the things, the topics to come up, to talk about come up to me. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about so far just like relationships yeah. and how important they are and how much of them that we have are like bound to this place. And it's one of the things that I, I find lacking in the future of music retail, right? Yeah. Because there's fewer and fewer places like this. Um. There's more places you can buy online. There's more companies that are starting to sell direct. And there's, I think there's two sides of this that I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on because I think there's a range of how this can go. One, you just talked about how you thought you had an expectation of what you needed. Yeah. And someone who knew you 
and had more experience led yeah. you down a different path of like this would work better for you. Yeah. Which I think is part of what the role of someone in music retail should do. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, you don't want to be you don't want to be the guy that like I know better than you necessarily. Mm-hmm. And consumers have a lot more information where they can go online and, you know, like the buying process starts with research, like why we do our videos. Yeah. That whole thing's true. But sometimes you have someone that has more experience that can look at how you play or what you play and go, hey, I have a different idea. Yeah. What do you think about like how important that and valuable that is? You know, it's, I don't know if, if anybody that this has happened with happens to listen to the podcast, but I I think you're probably the same way. Like it's super rare that you feel comfortable enough to tell somebody something like that. But I feel like for the most part, if you have that kind of relationship and you say that, like I it even comes down to certain people in the past have been like, I really want a nine fourteen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll you know, I really gotta save up money, blah blah blah. And you get into what they're looking for and a four fourteen is gonna do just fine and it's you know, like being able to just say, I, I really want you to consider this, or you keep saying you want a, a dreadnought, but you really aren't comfortable with it. Let's try some, you know, I think that it's, it's been told to me many times. I mean, you have given me advice like that. Maurice has, Patrick has, like, there's a lot of people that I trust that know what they're talking about, that I take that a lot more seriously than like, an article or a post on Reddit or something right. where it's like, you should never get a HD 28, get the classic D, you know, D 28. And right. then you actually look into it and it's like, well, you know, but hearing it from somebody that like has listened to you, like actually articulate what you're looking for and then give you an honest opinion. That's not just yes, man in it. Yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And a lot of times now, since we're in the YouTube age and the forum, you know, ex- extreme conversations online. A lot of people come in and say, I've been waiting for this. I know exactly what I want. I'm going to get this. Yeah. But there's still a good amount of people that are like, you know, I really don't know what I want. And I've been waiting for a long time to get something all solid wood, but I have no idea. Yeah. And it helps that we typically have a pretty good selection that like we can lay it all out, try all this stuff or recommend to somebody that's across the country you know, go out and try this Martin, this Gibson, this Taylor, this Furch, what, you know, whatever it is. But I think once you like build that, it's way better. It's like a friend or a family member, mm-hmm. like giving you personal advice instead of ask, reading a self-help book. You know what I'm saying? Well, that was what, what was interesting. Like you weren't just Joe Schmo walking in off the street. You'd been taking lessons there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, since what you were like seven. Yeah. You know, Maurice for a long, long time. He'd seen you play. He'd seen you come up like he had an idea yeah. of what better suited you kind of already. Yeah. Um, and, and that comes from that relationship and, and sometimes just seeing someone play, like even if it's not an extended relationship. So I had this thought, cause, and I told you about this, I was watching this YouTube video with Michael Greenfield of Greenfield Guitars, mm-hmm. makes fantastic guitars. And he, uh, McKee has a signature model with him. They're yeah. very expensive, big uh, waiting list, and had this wonderful video where he's being interviewed and talking about Tonewoods. And, you know, you can talk about what makes a guitar, you know, there's so many different aspects of it to a builder's philosophy and bracing style and the body shapes and stuff. But when it comes to tone woods, people often talk about it in the context of like, 
bass and treble and mm-hmm. mids and and sustain and overtones. And we've kind of talked about a little bit on the channel. Like, I don't even like to say it that way because I don't, it's not an accurate description. It's okay. Cause that's how people experience it, but it's not really more bass. It's less of this or, or mm-hmm. there's a dampening effect. So what was cool about the video was he talked about different tone woods for back and sides of guitars have different dampening characteristics. You get more sustain and more overtones or less sustain and less overtones. So yeah. you get you go from a very saturated sound to a very dry sound mm-hmm. effectively, right? Yeah. And having that knowledge allows you to look at someone who's playing, and this is the best part of the conversation I thought he had, and say, This is what would be good for that player. So as an example, I'm curious what your thoughts are given you're playing. A spruce and rosewood guitar. Mm-hmm. It's gonna have a lot of articulation, it's gonna have a lot of overtones and a lot of sustain. So if you're playing short, articulate things, it's going to get muddied with all of the overtones to sustain the guitar has. Yeah. You effectively are having to mute stuff. Yeah. Right. Mahogany has different dampening characteristics. So it's much drier. Yeah. There's like hardly any overtones. We think of it as a very warm sounding. There's less sustain. It's, it's more of just the, the sound of the note. Yeah. So you can play faster. That's why flat pickers like it. Right. Yeah. You don't need sustain. You're just hitting the note and getting out of the way, right? You're going to play like that. Yeah. You know, you're doing these runs where it's pretty fast and articulate. Yeah. And then Maple's super dry. It's super immediate. You play, there's your attacks, like why flamenco players like it really fast. Yeah. So like you have your fingerstyle player who's playing and with these sustaining chords and you want to hear all that. That's how I play. Yeah. Right. I like Rosewood and Mm -hmm. I like Ebony because of that. You go to Maple and there's like it's nothing's there, and so it's whatever you put into it. There's no place to hide. Yeah. And then maybe mahogany's kind of like you're in between. So we're describing that if someone walked in and started like going, I have no idea where to go, and you watched them play and you had enough experience, you could say, okay, based upon how you play, yeah, here are like three guitars you should look at. Yeah, that's super interesting. I feel like that's a really great way of describing those three. I was talking with Manny about it today because uh, my friend Manny got a custom guitar on the way from Taylor, and he said he was hesitant about the maple, even though it's going to look incredible. I saw the pieces. I know the stain he's using. It's perfect. You know, it's going to be a beautiful guitar. He gave us permission to show it off on the channel, so... If you're listening to this, you'll see it on the channel when it comes in. But he was like, I'm just so nervous about it because Chris said there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> Which yeah. is so cool like to think about. It's like, what a motivator in your playing, you know, mm-hmm. when you... And he has mahogany and he has rosewood. Right. He's got koa. He's got everything. So what a great addition to his collection to like, this is something that he can play to really like hear himself, you know, I think is a, yeah. What I told him and what I usually say on that, it's like, that's a very player reflective. Yeah. Would, you know, who you are as a player is very visible. I remember when I was much younger and I was more ham fisted than I am now, I walked into a store and I picked up, it was a PRS custom 22 artist package. Mm -hmm. Like it was at the time, the most expensive guitar I'd ever picked up before. Yeah. And I and I plugged it into an amp, and I 
really liked and hated that guitar because it was like that. It was like any mistake you made was very apparent. And what I shared with Manny and what I think is true is that if you're brave enough, that makes you a better player, you know, but there's times Joe, Bo- Joe Bonham also was talking about this in regards to, I think an amp, I think it was the Dumble or something that, uh, and John Mayer has said this, if, if they're having a bad night, they will dump out of that amp yeah. and go to something else in a heartbeat because yeah. every single mistake you make is, is, right, is there. right there. But what's great about a guitar or an amp or anything like that is if you're on, there's nothing more rewarding yeah. than, than having that. But, you know, like I was saying at the beginning, it also goes with the style of that you play. What I play mostly is really well served with like dark overtone woods. I yeah. love listening to a complex chord sustained for a long time, you know. But if I play something that's different, I move to a different guitar. And I think that gets lost. I think we can have conversations like that on our yeah. video and on our podcast, and hopefully it benefits people. But what I grow concerned about is someone's just going to go, oh, that's pretty. Um, that has a good reputation. I add to cart from some company building it yeah. and ship directly to my house. And maybe that serves them well, but they miss out on what, like your strat would have served you well. Yeah. But you're more of a telly guy. Yeah. You know, and it has, I got my well. strat down the, down yeah, the road. Um, so yeah, I think the thing is too, it, you know, just like you said, that's pretty, or I've heard of that model more, more of my favorites play that model. It's almost like implying that a D28 and a D18, like there's a natural progression from one to the other. Right. And you start with your D18 and then you move to your D28, but they're both the same caliber guitar. Right. It's just the materials on one, you know, cost more maybe or whatever the appointments, but they're on par with each other. Um, this is a question for you based on what we were talking about with, mahogany rosewood maple do you feel like um mahogany is milk chocolate and uh rosewood is dark chocolate and i'll i'll extend the metaphor and maple is white chocolate maple is like nougat (laughs) (laughs) you gotta chew it a little bit maple is caramel yeah um dark chocolate when i'm feeling culinary Mm. you know i want to end the night with a little dark chocolate just a little piece maybe a little sea salt Mm -hmm. but you're not going to be eating a massive bar of extremely heavy percentage cacao, dark chocolate. It's like you take a bite, you let it linger. You want it to be on the palate. Milk chocolate, you can munch down for hours on end. You know, Um, mahogany, I feel like, like you're saying, if you're playing fast, you're going crazy, you're having fun, it'll pop out everything you need. But rosewood deserves to be chewed and to linger. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, yeah, rosewood long strumming like if you're strumming if it's it's long sustain if it's uh very legato you know if you're taking your time with it then it's really great mahogany yeah if you're picking and you're going or you're you're doing like like the the blues thing where it's really dry works really well and if you're singing it works really well because yeah you know it's you and your guitar and there's nothing getting in the way and maple is for those speed demons out there it's like yeah they're there's a reason that Doyle Dykes model that I have is like not just maple and spruce, but also thinner. Yeah. Because someone that plays like him, which I can't, I can do like a few runs. A few know. can. Yeah. Uh, it's super fast. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So 
but it's a great it's a great point that you make. These guitars should be looked at as different, not better than. And one of the things that drives me crazy is true Honduran mahogany is more rare than East Indian rosewood, mm-hmm. and yet costs less yeah. based upon perception. Yeah. Most of these tonewoods don't cost a huge amount of difference. First of all, just finding decent wood is becoming more and more difficult. Yeah. And a large manufacturer potentially has more to choose from, and so they can sort through it, and that you can get higher in stuff as you go higher up in price. But, you know, I and I may be wrong. Someone can correct me that knows more about it, but I don't think that you pay a huge difference, you know, between one or the other. The pricing that you see in the market comes down to the perception of value. Mm-hmm. Um, and people think that mahogany is not as valuable as rosewood. And being a guy who loves rosewood, like I bought my 914C because of the sound, not the inlay, and because I thought it was like the rosewood lover's guitar. Yeah, It's rosewood, has a rosewood overlay on the headstock. It's got rosewood binding. Like, it's a rosewood lover's guitar. That's the thing. Like a 914 and HD28, a D55, like those are the rosewood lover's yeah. you know paradise you know so saying that as a guy who loves rosewood mahogany just does not get its due in the market yeah and really i feel like a lot of people hold those like the ones that i mentioned as like oh this is the one right yeah. here but then they fall in love and it's like down ideally you can get to a point where you can have both and you pick from them when it's appropriate for what you're playing um I do want to ask you, because there have been some releases since we've been on the podcast, um, and I have talked to several people, hopefully, that are listening about the new American Dream stuff, and I just want to get your thoughts. Yeah. Because, you know, we're getting to a place, too, where Walnut's kind of in the conversation. A lot of nice laminate guitars in the past have, like, you know, laminate walnut, but now solid walnut. Got a lot of different options. Old school vibe. What are you thinking about the new American Dreams? I like the new American Dreams. I like the aesthetic that they're going with, um, which, you know, it's very clearly vintage Gibson-esque. Yeah. Knowing, you know, Andy Powers is now the CEO of Taylor. Um, Having listened to him talk about, like, his past with guitars, um not just with guitars, but his musical experience and taste. Yeah. You know, there's a few podcasts he's been interviewed out and, you know, I've had the opportunity to spend some time with him, you know, over the years. And I, I love, you know, he's a unique guy that had a unique upbringing. And I think the music that his parents listened to that he listened to is just as informative as the things he's learned building guitars and restoring old guitars. And I think, you know, he (laughs) drives, I don't know if he still does, but I know for a bit, like, his main car was, like, this old restored pickup, you know? Yeah. Like, he's he's kind of an old soul. And so I think that seeing some of this, this vibe that we're seeing come in with these designs just makes sense, knowing Yeah, him. totally. Um, so I like it. I like, I, I, they're, an un, it's an understated, I mean, it's called the American dream, right? Yeah. So they have this understated Americana-leaning aesthetic makes sense um and i like the sound of it i like walnut 
Um, they used to do a walnut. So, so here's a great example of a wood that doesn't get its due. Late 90s, early 2000s, Taylor had a walnut series that was as expensive as a Koa series. Yeah. Um, what were those called? Like there was the like a w- W14. Yeah, W14CE. Yeah. You know, Dave Matthews has this cool 12 string. It's a W65E. That's so a big guy. <laughs> it's a huge jumbo, all walnut 12 string. Very cool guitar. You know, I we talk often about Taylor naming systems with your third digit being the body and your middle digit being top. The, the top. I just realized six and five. Six and five are 12 strings, yeah. I, I knew they were both 12 strings, but I didn't realize six is to two is five is to one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's softwood or hardwood. <laughs> little analogy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, if yeah. It's, so for those listening, if you're looking at Taylor numbering, the the middle number or the middle character because it could be a letter at the beginning yeah like a k or w but the that middle character is the top and if it's a one or two it's a six string that has a soft or hard top so soft top would be one that could be spruce could be cedar could be sinker redwood it's a softwood two would be a hardwood like walnut or mahogany or koa yeah and then it translates up to a, a 12 string but it's a five or six instead so, your six fifty two spruce top. Six fifty two, yes. Your three sixty two, yes. Mahogany top, and a three fifty two would be spruce or cedar. Yep. Do they make a three fifty two? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't. Know. Or they made they made a oh, five. I don't think so. Yeah, I think they do. Not currently. Oh, they did. I think they've only got. I think they've got. Four 12 strings in the. I mean, they didn't use like a 724, now. but here we are. So they got 150, 254, <laughs> 362, 652. I love that, like, the light bulb's gone off for you. I just love a good naming system because. And it's. A consistent so naming system is nice. Consistent yeah. naming system, like, you know, GT. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> I you love it's really great. I love I love Fender's naming system. That's what I was ex- which exactly is a randomized what I was say. ten digit number. <laughs> randomized ten digit number and same with Gibson. Yeah. Gibson and Fender make it so difficult to like look at data of sales and then try to make an order because you can't Yeah. With Taylor, it's like I really like that three fourteen. What's the model number? Three fourteen. All right. <laughs> the minute I think I figured out Gibson. <clears throat> Yeah. Because it's usually it's like it's something to describe the model and and the body and the color and the hardware. Yeah, you know, the minute I figure it out, I see something pop up that doesn't align with what I have figured out. Yeah. All right. So, well, so we're going to accordions are even better. Accordions yeah. are you know, all over the place. You can't even trust what the box says. But um, I have a question for you. So we're going to wrap up this this discussion about like tone woods and advice on buying guitars. Yeah. And the significance of like how this should be in your life. And the sad fact that I hope more people find their local music store to yeah. find a place to hang out with and talk to people and be in a community, even if it's not your local music store. Like, yeah, I'll be your local music yeah. store. We have the technology to have relationships across yeah. time and space. But um, I have a question for you. So we've had this discussion. Yeah. You've talked about it's time for you to have a big boy tailor. Yeah. What are you thinking? What what is on? Have you given any thought to on horizon, body size, well, wood pairings yet? That's that's the big 
question is what I really want. I don't think they'll do. Let's hear it. I have been to, I mean, in the past I've played them, but in recent memory, one, we were at a guitar, uh, guitar show, beautiful 810. I really like that guitar. Which is, by the way, I think like the first model Taylor ever did. Really? Bob Taylor back in the day by himself building guitars with, you know, Tim and, and Kurt, like yeah. the 810 was their first model. So they borrowed their body shapes. It was a square shoulder dreadnought, a grand concert, and a jumbo. Yeah. They borrowed from other. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I love the square shoulder dreadnought stuff. We've had a 410 in here that was super simple and just awesome. Yeah. Um, We currently have a 710 CE that's really cool. So if I could just do a really, really nice, maybe Addy Top 810, I think that would be sweet. And if they would do V Class on it, you know, I think that's the move right there. Yeah. Um, if they wouldn't do a square shoulder dreadnought because I'm somehow not special enough to change their entire game. <laughs> I bet they still have the molds. But Break you know, out the molds. It's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> question from this standpoint. Yeah. Because if they do if they do this, like this would be very cool. It, it would be a return to the square shoulder dreadnought. Yeah. Which they abandoned for the American series. They still make them in Mexico, right? Yeah. With X-Bracing. But w- when they went to the GP body shape, which was actually the first body shape that Andy Powers developed V-Class Bracing yeah. for. It wasn't the first one introduced. They introduced. They very smartly brought it out on the more popular Grand Auditorium. Yeah. But the GP, so here's what I'm thinking. This is just how my mind's working and thinking about how and Andy's mind works. The GP is not that different from a square shoulder dreadnought. Yeah. I naively say. But yeah. maybe it is very, very different. I'm curious if they were to do this, bring back the American-built square shoulder dreadnought in like an 810. With V-Class bracing, how that bracing would differ, because it would differ. It would differ. It would not be the same. And I bet they can make a cannon of a, of a guitar. Absolutely. Can you imagine just East Indian Rosewood, Adirondack top, V-Class braced, just you know, straightforward, but flagship dreadnought. I think that would be so cool. And if they won't do it, I'd probably go with the GP anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, a GP, part of me loves like the 12 fret grand concerts. Like I kind of like everything that they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of, I like everything that they do, but part of me loves the grand orchestra too. Like I kind of want to go outside the box Yeah. because it would just be so easy for me to just get like a 914 kind of thing, you know, because that's what I feel like has always been the, like 814 or 914 is like, like the, it's that's like the, the one. Yeah, Winter it's the one. Yeah. But um, I do think that no matter what, like if, say, you and I go out there with JR and maybe get to spend some time with Andy or who, whoever's out there, like no matter what, it's going to be a cool guitar. Yeah. But I'm kind of stuck on the Dreadnought thing right now. It'd be cool if we can make it happen. And you know, if you have ideas, if you're listening, you you have cool ideas for what we should make, send them in. I think you should do a mahogany dreadnought. That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be cool. You know, I will say this: talking about the Addy Hog. Yeah. As we as we wrap this up, I will say this. So last week I was at our Babcock store, um, hanging out. I don't get to spend that much time there anymore. And uh, a good customer of ours and friend of ours uh, came in. I hadn't seen in a few years. Yeah. And great, his name's Christian. He's a great 
guitar player. Phenomenal fingerstyle player. Um, I love, like, he's got a great ear for tunings. And, you know, I always admire people that, to me, it seems to be an easy thing for them. You, you do this, where you can adapt a tuning and, and very quickly kind of know where your chord needs to be and your voicing needs to be to do whatever. And he, he's really good at that. Yeah. So we spent a lot, lot of time talking and showing each other different stuff. And he was playing that eight six a builder's edition eight sixteen C, and uh, he he was like, "This is such a surprising guitar." Yeah. And sometimes it's I, I like that guitar, but listening to someone else play it and experience it and discover like what's so cool about this very weird model. Yeah. Was uh was this an experience for me that's fun? I being in a music store, you don't often get to be around like i don't know guitars kind of become old hat after a while yeah so that was one of those cool experiences of like discovering something with someone at the same time yeah going, that's like, cool you know and now i'm like i need a builder decision it's cool it's the philosophy of that guitar i feel like is the same but the complete opposite is the generation because the generation sound port is for the player's benefit yeah. and the 816 and the k26 and the 326 you know it's for the listener yeah like right in front of it you know it's just adds that whole dimension it's pretty cool cool well this has been a fun discussion we're back <laughs> we are back <laughs> so to summarize it um music plays an important role in all of our lives it's the soundtrack of your life if you embrace it and uh you should find so if you're into music you should th- surround yourself with the community of music whether they're local or far away and if you are searching for that guitar to suit your needs, open yourself up with your playing style and, you know, what you have already preconceived might be the answer to someone that has a lot of experience and you might be pleasantly surprised and find the guitar of a lifetime. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> so if you haven't done so already, follow us or subscribe to this podcast and we will keep them coming in a more ready fashion. So thanks oh, yeah. for listening. Check us out on YouTube, uh, to Alamo Music TV, and our website, alamomusic.com, and we will talk to you later.